Views. Your news. Your Limerick Today. With Gillian Devlin. In for Jonash on Live 95. Would you be surprised to learn that one in five Irish men use pornography at least once every day? This is according to a study by Men's Development Network and they also highlight the insecurity and toxic attitudes that can come from porn and how it creates unhealthy attitudes towards women. The network works to improve male health and well-being and CEO Sean Cook is on the line with us this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Julian, and how are you? Thank you for having us on. I'm I'm not too bad, Sean. Um, this figure of one in five, um, I'm guessing it might actually be higher than that, given the fact that not all men are going to admit to checking pornography every day. Sure, yeah, uh, and that's, uh, I think that's, that's probably true. Uh, I think we are kind of surprised in that there were people, as on, although it was an anonymous uh, uh, survey, you know, that still people... Uh, uh, presented that kind of the prevalence rate. I think we're kind of we're surprised that to say the, the prevalence of it, uh, but not not overly surprised. We do think you know the access and availability of pornography is is at its zenith at the moment in terms of uh, gaining access to it and having it on uh, smartphones and wherever it may be. So uh, it, it makes sense that there would be a high usage and access to it, uh, and therefore the prevalence would actually rise as well. You know, um, but you, I think the, yeah. sorry, no, well, I was just going to say, like, I'm, as an adult, I've had conversations with men about pornography, and you know, there you get. I think you get a few c- categories of men and their attitudes to it, and that mm. uh, many will deny ever using it. Well, not many, but some. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, and those that admit to using it will always say they completely understand that it is fantasy and it is not real life, mm-hmm. and yet. Your survey shows that 40% um, admit in your survey that mm. it impacts on their expectations of sex, which would imply that they don't see the difference between pornography being fantasy and uh, real, you know, separate from uh, I, 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 Yeah, I think it's, it's a very good sum up there, Gillian. I think there is that, there is that strange dichotomy uh, where, and this is very relevant throughout the whole of the survey because a lot of the questions we ask is around, in my opinion, this, and then society's opinion is that. And there's such a huge disparity between them in the range, across a range of the conversations that uh, are the topics that we, we discuss around, whether homophobia, seeking help, their own well-being, their understanding of masculinity. The I statements are very, very kind of positive in some senses, but society's, their, the perception of society is, is, is quite low. So, but I, I do, I think there is, it, it, but going back to the for now, when we asked, we also asked that question about do you think it impacted on your it impacted on your relationships, and as you said, there was a quite high number said it did. Now some came in and talked about the positive aspects of that in terms that they learned a certain amount from it, which they would never have got before, ever maybe. But I think the over the over prevailing feeling was is that it, it raised expectations beyond the norm and like. We know that, uh, like, pornography is not real, as you say, it's cl- clearly not real. But it does the, the usage of it and access to it does raise expectations uh, and heighten uh, expectations among men in terms of their own and creates anxieties in terms of their own body, their own body image, uh, what women should look like. Uh, and they're, and they're how all, women should yeah. behave. And, and how women should behave. Yes, exactly. most porn, yeah. the vast majority of pornography mm. is produced by men. 
mm-hmm. men own the business, men mm-hmm. pay the performers in their mm-hmm. videos and and there's a huge disparity as well in terms of what they pay and what is earned in it and it is designed to fulfill the fantasies of men. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it is largely men who use pornography and and on that basis you know, men are watching what they think other men want and women are completely almost left out of the occasion. Obviously, they are used as performers in it, but it is, they're directed by men, told, do this, do that. It's not about women's desires or what they might enjoy. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you, Dylan, uh, and I think, you know, it, it sometimes have normalised the culture of pornography to a certain degree, uh, uh, like where now there's, there's conversations about couples sitting watching pornography together, and so it somehow has been normalised, you know. Whereas clearly, like pornography is the objectification of women, and it has been, uh, and that's where it's coming from. Uh, and it, it has, uh, like, for men to be accessing pornography uh, and watching it, wherever it is, it does numb their uh, their feelings and their understandings around what it is to have a healthy relationship. It certainly reduces their empathy. It reduces their understanding of what uh, is, is expected of them within an intimate partner relationship. So there, there are many, many uh, research uh, elements done in relation to the effects that pornography has on men and, uh, and what we need to do around pornography to ensure that we have a more equal society and a, a more safe society, um, that we need to do stuff around... Uh, uh, like we're, The thing is, is that Pornography is out of the Pandora's box. It's out there. So what we have to do now is to educate our young people uh, and, and, our, and our older people around the harmful effects on which pornography can have and to give them the capacity to be able to, vis- to be visually literate, to understand what they're watching and knowing that it is not real, that it's only a, a reflection of, of that particular application of women and that they, they need to kind of learn how to read that themselves and reflect on it and, and, and make their own critical choices on it. Whereas at the moment, it's clearly what's happening is it's impacting quite negatively, certainly among men in terms of what we've seen with the survey, their expectations of what a relationship is, the sense of guilt that they feel uh, around those expectations and stuff like that as well. So it's a, yeah, like it is, a, a, it is a, an issue that has come up to the fore uh, and even uh, the ministers thought, uh, uh, quite uh, broadly about it as well. So uh, I think we're coming to a point within our own society that we have to, that we're getting a little bit more open enough to actually have these conversations. And I think that's uh, some ways of what this survey does and what our symposium tomorrow is all about. It's about opening up those conversations and inviting people in to have those, uh, to reflect on what's actually happening in, in our society. I still think it remains a huge taboo. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's happening so much. I mean, if you say one in five are checking it uh, at least once a day, mm. we're reading of stories in the press about, you know, even MPs in Westminster, uh, you know, at work, mm. yeah. looking at porn while at work. Like, that is just mm-hmm. unthinkable. Um, mm-hmm. And yet it's happening. It's the norm yeah. for some people. Um, and it's a conversation that's just so difficult to have, I think, in normal life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people also are afraid, particularly with their children. You know, if their children haven't heard of pornography, if I start talking about it, well, then they, then they become curious and go looking for it. And you can put firewalls sure. up in your house, but if a kid wants to find a way, they will find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, very difficult issue to tackle. And yes, I would imagine 
if you're using it once a day, that's probably at least borderline addiction, if not addiction. Mm. Um, well, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get out of comment on that. I'm not sure. I'm not an addictive specialist or anything like it. Um, but I think it certainly would indicate that there's a dependency emerging on it, yeah. you know, uh, and uh, uh, and it would be a red flag certainly uh, to be using it on, on, on a constant basis, you know. And it's, it's, the other question would be as well is if they're in a relationship as well, you know what I mean? So they, there's a lots of different kind of uh, connotations that come with that. Uh, that uh, you know, if they're we're in a relationship and then accessing porn as well. You know what? What? What's like? What's What's actually happening there? So I think no. I think it is. It's a. It's a. It is a difficult subject, and I think. Um, I think if when we go into the conversation uh, about it, saying I, I think it's in some ways how we kind of can create a conversation without it becoming overly negative is that when we invite men to even talk about it, that there's no sense of shame. In fact, oh yes, I've used pornography. You know. You know, that's what I've, I've watched pornography. You know, let's talk about it. Why did I watch it? What was it about it? Not in a judgmental way that will allow the conversations to come and come forth and to even to raise those very, very critical issues that we've just talked about there in terms of the objectification of women, uh, uh, the, the normalizing of, of uh, particular behaviors, uh, sexual behaviors that are, are, are that harmful to, to women and to men. You know, that, uh, that those conversations need to be had and the sooner we have them, the better. Uh, uh, and of course, there's other things that can happen around pornography too, that we certainly t- we're looking at trying to find ways in which to block it, to block the sites getting into the uh, uh, to providers and stuff like that. And I know there's been work done on that in Ireland, uh, uh, you know, but it's very very difficult to just move it to another country and all those type of things go on. So, but I think there are there's some very very practical and tangible steps to do. But I think it is about a cultural shift, and I think there has been a normalisation of pornography, Gillian, that. People say that this is okay, you know what I mean, and uh, and I think we need to we need to actually challenge that uh, in a more progressive way. Uh, there's definitely uh, uh, room for us to do that there, and I think men need to be part of that that allyship and that grouping. It's not just women saying this is a women's problem; this is a men's problem as well. That they need to be part of the solution with it. You know? The the other thing that really stood out to me in this survey and I found quite worrying was that Mm. 45% of men say that any men who talk about their problems openly shouldn't Mm. be respected. Yeah. That men should keep it bottled up if they want respect. Yeah. That's very depressing that at this stage in 2022, Mm. um, you know, that men should be looked at like that. I mean... What are you supposed yeah. to do with your problems? Only discuss them, you know. Well, that's, I, I think I think that I think it's a really interesting kind of finding that, and I suppose I will qualify. This is an interim report, and we still the the survey is still available till the till the end of August, and then we'll actually have a full report in uh, November. Um, but I, it is an interesting kind of stat that's emerging from it, and uh, again, they clearly say like that when it's asked. In my opinion it's a lot higher, you know, that we should be seeking support and we can seek support. But when you ask, what's your view of society's view, they say it's much lower. Mm-hmm. So it does give that sense that individual men feel that they really can't uh, present or bring forward or seek help uh, or express themselves or express their vulnerability. And yes, I have to say there has been huge strides made on it. Like there are many, many men have come forward over the many years, uh, sportsmen particularly, talking about their, real, their mental health and their real health and 
the challenges that they had to overcome it and to express their vulnerabilities in relation to it. And they've been really, have been fantastic champions uh, for other men to come forward, you know, and to, to just even express themselves among their family and their friends, you know, uh, that they actually get a chance to talk about it. So I think we have moved a way forward, but clearly it's obvious that there's much more to go. And we're not, I suppose, with the survey, we're just not sure whether that's the individual's perception or actually that, is, that this, is what ref, this is what society reflects, you know what I mean? Sean, do, um, you, think, do you think men get a hard deal in, in the sense that women are very good at supporting each other in terms of, mm. you know, women's issues? You know, mm. obviously we talk about things. There's l- tons of women's organisations out there, um, but not so many for men. Do you think men sometimes get a hard deal when it comes to dealing with issues like, you know, their, their mental health problems? Yeah, I think it's challenging for them to find the support that they need to get. I think that's for sure. I think, you is know... an attitude of men should just man up and get on with it? Is that expression even, man up? Is that one yeah, that we well, should uh, be, yeah. be yeah, kind right. of putting in the bin and not using anymore? Yeah, well, it drives me mad, I have to say. <laughs> um, like, you know, I think, uh, well, it, it conjures up all of those traditional social norms and social conditioning around men needing to be stoic, in charge, uh, you know, not to seek help. You know, to be to be the leaders, to do this, that, and the other. You know, not to be emotional and not to be even emotionally available to anybody else. They're they're really uh, kind of really that, that form that those elements of patriarchy are really harmful for men. You know, and uh, so I think there's an element where I say it's more challenging. I think services, I say ourselves as an organisation, we run a number of programmes, but in terms of us the, the delivering work around opening up the opportunities to engage men and boys around their health and well-being their gender equality and mental health, we're not core funded to do that. You know what I mean? So um, so there is those th- things that are out there that we would think that need to happen and there needs to be some kind of political will. When we're talking about saying men need to be part of the solution here, well, then we need to be providing the support to allow them into the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we need to do. And so we need, so th- there is those organisations and there are many men's groups that are out there who are supporting men and, and they need all of the support they can get to kind of get the message out uh, and to encourage uh, men to come into the, the conversation and to become allies towards that, towards that change. Absolutely. OK, well, CEO of Sean Cook, we wish you the very best with that. You might come back to us when that uh, survey eventually closes and give us your final findings on it. Uh, that's Sean Cook of Men's De- Development Network. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.